Hello and welcome to the much promised 2019 MLB non-waiver trade deadline reaction show here on the Big Recon on Sports. I am your host, I am the Big Recon, and it is come and gone already. 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, July 31st, 2019, and baseball for however many years in a row it has been did not disappoint. So we're going to go over what I felt the biggest deals were. We're going to hit on some of the players that moved. And I'm going to try and do a little bit of predicting for the second half. and then, Or for really August and September. Excuse me, not just the second half. And then I'm going to tell a little story once I get to the end of the podcast that hits home with me a little more because of where my rooting interests lie. So let's start at the top. And the one of the last deals reported today on MLB Network, which gave the biggest reaction from Amsinger, who's their main... Um, Main anchor, the Houston Astros acquired Zach Greinke from the Arizona Diamondbacks for four prospects, uh, Seth Beer, Corbin Martin, J.B. Bukaskis, and Josh Rojas. And now, going into October, because Houston has such a lead in the AL West, in one series, a team will have to face Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, and Wade Miley. The Houston Astros have now set themselves up to win the World Series for the second time in three years. No one saw this deal coming. This was the one that kind of slapped you upside the back of your head to say, hey, we're here, much like the Cespedes trade to the Mets in 2015. This sets them up very well. Now, here's the other thing. They also bolstered the bullpen by acquiring Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini from Toronto. Uh, they also got a minor league outfielder named Cal Stevenson. This team has set itself up every year to go deep into the playoffs, and today was no different. They also acquired Martin Maldonado from the Cubs for Tony Kemp. Again, the Houston Brain Trust. They knew they had a tank at the beginning of the decade. They knew they had to be terrible. And now they are a year-in and year-out World Series contender. The fans in Houston can ask for no more. And the players in Houston just now have to do basically what they've done all year, which is play to the back of their baseball cards. And the Astros should be hosting a World Series come October. This sets them up big time, especially since the Yankees did nothing. And you're going to send that lineup, which the middle of it, when healthy, will strike out upwards of 650 times in a single season against that starting rotation? Forget it. Just forget it. It's over. Getting into the National League a little bit. The Atlanta Braves bolstered their bullpen, which you're going to notice is the big and overall theme of today's activity. Bullpen, 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 bullpen. Outside of, of course, Granky. Shane Green from Detroit and Mark Melanson from the Giants for lower-level minor league prospects, and they picked up Chris Martin yesterday. The Braves' biggest issue, and I've said it all year between the preview show, the halfway point show, the Braves' biggest issue has been their pitching. A lot of, I think, their starting pitching needs to be bolstered a little more. Let's see how Keuchel does the last two months going into the postseason. Atlanta's running away with the National League East. The, the Nationals can do whatever they want. We'll get into my Mets in a little bit. I think the Phillies, 
did not make themselves any better. They also didn't make themselves any worse. But the Braves know they're going to have to win some bullpen games down the stretch and in the postseason. Adding those three arms is going to give them a bullpen that's going to be tough to score on. And at the back end with Melanson, it gives them a true closer, something they haven't had all year. The Chicago Cubs acquired Nicholas Castellanos from Detroit for cash considerations or and cash considerations from Detroit for Paul Richin and Alex Lang. Of course, Castellanos, another outfield bat. I know the Cubs have had some injury issues all year, and I know St. Louis has jumped them and is now in first place in the National League Central. This is one I don't get. They are loaded with bats, but Castellanos can only play the infield. He can play a little third base, so if you have to move Chris Bryant into the outfield or him into the outfield, you have the bats. I think the Cubs did this deal to get a little more balanced. A lot of their big hitters are left-handed. Hayward, Rizzo, um, Schwarber. You bring in a Castellanos. He's a right-handed hitter who's got some pop in his bat. I think he'll play well in Chicago. The San Francisco Giants, who two months ago were dead and buried, are now back in it, acquired Scooter Jeanette from the Reds, uh, for a player to be named later, of course, that'll come out in a few days. It'll be most likely an obscure minor leaguer. Uh, but Jeanette adds pop to the middle of a lineup that has had some injury issues as well. Uh, the Giants are going for it. You have to give them credit. You really do. The Oakland Athletics across the bay acquire Tanner Roark from Cincinnati for minor league outfielder Jamison Hanna. Tanner Roark was a a staple in the Nationals' rotation for many years. Uh, He pitched in the postseason a few times. Of course, the Nationals have never gotten out of the first round. So, really, he hasn't had much success outside of the first round. But he's pitched well when he's pitched in the postseason. You can't knock the guy for how bad his team does. But what you can do is you can look at his performance this year. And he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been terrible. Cincinnati staff as a whole has had a good ERA all season. They have now lost some pieces, and they're going to lose some more pieces after the massive brawl. Amir Garrett's going to be suspended. They made another trade and added an arm, which we're going to get into that one in a minute because that's the biggest one I'm going to really dive into. The Diamondbacks may have sent Zach Greinke to Houston, but they acquired Mike Leake from Seattle um, for a minor league infielder. Uh, Jose Caballero. Mike Leake was a very hot commodity when he was in St. Louis. It's tapered off a little bit. But Leake is a very good major league starting pitcher. He's not going to dominate you. He's not going to overpower you. But he's going to give you quality innings. And right now, Arizona is very pitching dry. Kind of like the desert. Especially with sending out losing Patrick Corbin in free agency and now trading Zach Granke. The uh, Philadelphia Phillies acquired outfielder Corey Dickerson from Pittsburgh for a player to be named later and some international bonus pool money. Here's where I don't understand about this move. The Pirates were just in New York last weekend playing the Mets, where the Mets swept the Pirates. The... Dickerson played the first night. He got hurt. Don't know if he's day-to-day. Don't know if he's ready to go. 
Uh, in the video of the melee in Cincinnati, I did not see his jersey. Doesn't mean he wasn't in the middle of it. There were a lot of guys on the ground. The Phillies, with that, also acquired a couple of days ago Jason Vargas from the Mets for uh, basically a favor for a kid who played with Fred Wilpon's grandson at Penn. Wasn't too high on that deal, but Vargas, outside of the last few starts, hadn't been that great. He now goes to the Phillies where they needed pitching help because the team that everybody picked to win the National League East has been hot garbage over the last couple of months. Now the Phillies got a lefty to go with their right-handed pitching in NOLA, and they're also looking at losing Jake Arrieta. So the Phillies needed to make a move. They went to the Mets. They got Jason Vargas. So other you know, deals that went underneath the radar that I really think are going to help teams, the Minnesota Twins bolstered their bullpen, adding Sergio Romo from the Marlins and getting Sam Dyson for minimal prospects. Of course, the Marlins are in fire sale mode because they are terrible. And the Twins have got to hold off the hottest team in the game, and that is the Cleveland Indians. The Tampa Bay Rays, who believe they have a shot at a wild card, have acquired Eric Sogard, pretty good utility guy from Toronto. Jesus Aguilar, the first baseman from uh, Milwaukee. And Trevor Richard, another pitcher that they can throw in that bullpen. Listen, Tampa's for real. They have last year's Cy Young Award winner, and they're the type of franchise that is scrappy and stays in the race a lot longer than you think. They add these pieces, pieces they needed, and now they're going to make another run at a wild card and hopefully get something going on down there in Tampa Bay. The Nationals went all bullpen. They added Daniel Hudson. They added Rowanis Elias. They added Hunter Strickland. And they added Fernando Rodney. Look, the Nationals' issues have been the bullpen all year, much like the Mets. Adding these arms, I don't think, is the band-aid that is going to keep them in this. But they were proactive, what they needed to be. And it's very nice to see the Nationals trying to make moves to stay relevant. They haven't played that great so far since the All-Star break. They've been good, but they haven't really played that great. Adding the bullpen arms... Some of those games they lost at the beginning of the year, they can start picking back up with these guys. Early on in trade season, the Red Sox went out and got themselves a pitcher. They pick up Andrew Kashner, one of the guys the Yankees were looking at. Kashner's going to add stability to that rotation. I mentioned it in the halfway point episode that Chris Sale has been an abomination all year. David uh, Price hasn't been that great. They, of course, don't have Joe Kelly anymore. Porcello. You know, it's very shocking what's happening in Boston. But they add Kashner, who's a quality uh, right-handed arm, to that rotation to try and bring it out of the doldrums. The Brewers bring in more pitching. Drew Pomerantz, a lefty who actually spent time in Cleveland, is acquired by Milwaukee to help their pitching staff, who, of course, has gotten hit with injuries themselves. Gio Gonzalez just got hurt. Uh, and a reliever in Jordan Lyles. Uh, more pitching depth for Milwaukee, who's right in the middle of that central race. You know, St. Louis, Chicago, Milwaukee, they're going to dogfight this right down to the very end. And I think the team with the most arms is going to win. 
So let's get to the biggest, most shocking deal of the entire trade deadline season. And I'm not talking about Granky. Granky was the marquee blockbuster you get once a year. I mentioned Cespedes in 2015. But that was the deal that was done last night. The three-team trade where the Cincinnati Reds acquired pitcher Trevor Bauer from the Cleveland Indians for Yasiel Puig and Scott Moss. The Indians get Franmil Reyes and Logan Allen and third baseman Victor Nova from San Diego for outfielder Taylor Trammell. Very, very publicly, Trevor Bauer has made some missteps. The most recent, and maybe the one that signed his ticket out, was when he threw the ball over the center field fence after a bad inning in Kansas City. Look, Bauer was one of my favorite guys to watch in Cleveland because of his demeanor on the mound. I firmly believe that Trevor Bauer is going to help a team succeed in the future. I don't see Cincinnati going anywhere this year, but Bauer being added to Cincinnati isn't the big part of this. Taylor Trammell going to the to uh, San Diego isn't the big part of this. It is the haul that the Cleveland Indians got for basically Trevor Bauer. You bring in Yasiel Puig and Scott Moss, a left-handed left-handed minor leaguer. You bring in Franmil Reyes and Logan Allen, who are big league players who are going to help right now. The Cleveland Indians are the hottest team in the game. They have made up. They were down 11 and, 11 and a half games. The Indians are game and a half, two games out. I said in my season preview that Minnesota would stick around for a while and make a run at this thing. And they have. But here's the deal. The Indians are right back in it. The lead is back to three because the Tribes lost two in a row. But when you add Puig and you add Reyes, and you add Logan Allen. And oh, by the way, Danny Salazar is healthy. Corey Kluber is on the way back. Cookie Carrasco may be cleared to pitch as early as August 15th. You still have Clevenger. You still have Bieber, the All-Star Game MVP. The Indians are loaded for bear. They are coming after Minnesota. And I believe they have several games left with Minnesota, both in Cleveland and in Minnesota. That, di- that division race is going to come down right to the end. So the most interesting team for this year's trade deadline, starting really July 1st, was my New York Mets. And it wasn't because they were. everybody thought they were going to be buyers and they're going to really go for it this year. It was because the Mets had the most pieces they could have sold off to get the most back. The front of that package is, of course, starting pitcher Noah Syndergaard, followed by starting pitcher Zach Wheeler, starting pitcher Jason Vargas, 
I firmly believe the Mets should have dealt Todd Frazier, looked for a trade partner for Robinson Cano. They do have gold glove outfielder Juan Lagares, who hasn't played a whole bunch recently. The Mets had pieces to move. Even Wilson Ramos, who has underwhelmed in his first year in New York. But a funny thing happened on the way to the Mets fire sale to rebuild for 2021 and beyond. The Mets GM is named Brody Van Wagenen. And when he took the job last November, he said, we're going to win now and we're going to win in the future. So the Jason Vargas deal wasn't the only deal Brody made in the last few days. Over the weekend on July 28th, the New York Mets sent left-handed pitcher Anthony Kay and right-handed pitcher Simeon Woods Richardson to the Toronto Blue Jays for Long Island native Marcus Stroman. So baseball fans, right now, as of the 28th, the Met rotation included was Vargas, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, and Steven Matz. It's a formidable five, with, of course, Vargas being, in my opinion, the weak link there. Most Met fans on social media and most Met fans in general thought that today would bring the end of the Thor era in a Met uniform. Maybe even the end of the Thor and Zach Wheeler era. The trade partners, the Yankees, the Padres, uh, Boston needs arms. Edwin Diaz was thrown around. And then he blew a save last night. But Brody surprised the baseball world. When after last night's start, the Mets officially took Noah Syndergaard off the trade block. He will remain in New York. And then today, took Zach Wheeler off the trade block. He will remain in New York. Edwin Diaz was not dealt. Marcus Stroman was rumored to be flipped for two prospects to the Yankees. The Yankees said no. So what did Brody do? Brody put his chips in the middle of the table. And the New York Mets are going for it. And there is no fan happier than me. Maybe my father. Who when it was announced today that Syndergaard was taken off the trade block, he said, now I can breathe. A little dramatic, but now he can breathe. I've brought this up several times to Met fans both on social media and through the podcast. I'm going to take you back to four years ago today. July 31st, 2015. The New York Mets were one game over 500. They were in a pennant race with the Washington Nationals. They were three games out at the start of the weekend. Trade deadline was a Friday that year. And 13 minutes before four, At 3.47 p.m. Eastern Time, the New York Mets sent Michael Fulmer and Louis Sessa to the Detroit Tigers for Ioannis Cespedes. And the rest, as they say, is history. Two days earlier, when it was rumored that the Mets would be acquiring Carlos Gomez from the Milwaukee Brewers for Zach Wheeler and Wilmer Flores, you had maybe one of the most interesting nights in Met history. When on the field, Wilmer Flores was crying because he didn't want to leave. Zach Wheeler called Sandy Alderson and said, I understand this is a business. I don't want to leave. Well, they didn't leave. And two nights later, 
the words that, in a Met fan's mind, that we will never forget. Flores drives it. Deep to left. Taylor back. At the wall. It's out of here. The Wilmer Flores walk-off home run that catapulted the New York Mets to their first pennant in 15 years. And an October run that I will never forget. Now I am not saying I believe this team can do that. But I'm not saying this team can't. Think about it this way. If the Mets got the back of their baseball card from Jury's Familia and Edwin Diaz, the Mets would be three games up in the division. This team is finally coming around. They are starting to get it together. Every year when we go through the hilarity that is the trade deadline and we see which players go where as rentals or possible long-term solutions like Cespedes we thought was going to be, but unfortunately due to injury, he hasn't been. We always look for the hope each player brings a team. The New York Mets now have the best starting rotation in all of baseball. They have the defending Cy Young Award winner in Jacob deGrom. He's going tonight. They have the Norse God of Thunder, Thor himself. They have two kids from Long Island who locked up a few years ago in maybe the greatest pitched high school game in all of Long Island history. And oh, by the way, Marcus Stroman was a starting pitcher when the United States won its first World Baseball Classic Championship in March of 2017. They have an offense that is paced by a guy who very well may win the National League batting title in Jeff McNeil. They ha- Their power portion of their offense is being paced by a guy who is going to break the Mets' all-time record for home runs in a single season in Pete Alonso and win the 2019 National League Rookie of the Year. This team is for real. And the fact that Brody is putting all his money on the river card just makes me as a Met fan smile. So if you think I'm going to end it there, you're wrong. Because I'm going to bring up one last team that did absolutely nothing. And that is the New York Yankees. It broke my heart to pick the Yankees to win the the American League East in my baseball preview show. Not because I hate the Yankees because I'm a Met fan. Not because I dislike Yankee fans because I'm a Met fan. No, it just, it, I happened to think that they were put together incorrectly. The reason I think that is not only was I a pitcher growing up and believe that pitching is how you win, but I lived through a phenomenon from the age of 15 until the age of 20. 
that a lot of people seem to forget. And that is the five-time American League Central Division champion, Cleveland Indians. Now, people who know me are saying, why are you comparing those great Indians teams to this Yankees team? Here's why. The Cleveland Indians had a lineup that could swing with anybody. Lofton, Fiskel, Bayerga, Bell, Manny Ramirez, Eddie Murray, Paul Sorrento, Wayne Kirby. They were loaded everywhere. Oh, by the way, I, meant, I forgot to mention Jim Tomey. Their pitching wasn't good. Charles Nagy was a good but not great starting pitcher. They were relying on the very veteran arms of Oral Hershiser and Dennis Martinez to win them games in the postseason. This is a team that had a better lineup than the two teams they lost the World Series to. They just didn't have enough pitching. That is what the New York Yankees are. And having to put their hopes on two guys returning from injury, if there are any setbacks, the Yankees are done. Tanaka has not been good. CeCe Sabathia is showing his age. James Paxton has not been anywhere near what they thought he was going to be. And Herman and um, Severino, they don't know how to pitch in October. The scariest part about this is that the Mets won the trade deadline in New York City and they made one move. And Yankee fans hate it. And Met fans don't know what to do about it. This is not your normal GM, this guy. But here's to the two best months anybody can talk about that's not called October. And that's August and September. The dog days and the pennant race. And I'll tell you what. With all the moving and shaking that went on. And with all the deals that happened in the last few days, especially the big ones, it's going to get very interesting before it gets very boring. And I don't care that the NFL starts in a few weeks, and I don't care that college football starts in a few weeks. My boys are all in. It's going to be an interesting August and September, everybody. And the best part about it is, it's only just begun. Thanks for listening to my take on the 2019 trade deadline. As always, Big Recon can be heard on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. We are found on Twitter at my personal Twitter handle, at Big Recon on Sport. We have our YouTube page, Big Recon on Sports, and of course on Facebook, Big Recon on Sports. I know I just took a shot at the NFL and college football, but I am going to dive deep into my previews for both the NFL and for the FBS where I will once again for the second year in a row preview the Power 5 conferences, pick my winners, my best teams, best defenses, best quarterbacks, best players, just like we did last year. The NFL, we're going to preview each division. Could possibly have some special guests. Haven't decided on that yet. We're going to get a Mets video up at some point in the next few days. Early next week. Going home for the weekend. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you next time.